As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's a soul anchor. Hold on to the hope it is a Hello, this is the Soul Anchor Podcast, and I am your host, Vidal Moreno. In the Soul Anchor Podcast, we seek to anchor our faith in the truths of the Bible while we sail across the sea seeking adventures where they can be found. This is part 30 of the No Name Heroes of the Faith. These are the men and women who God used in small, quiet ways to help bring big things to reality. These stories are gleaned from the pages of Christian History Magazine. CHM is a quarterly periodical, and if you've enjoyed my Christian History podcasts, you're going to love this magazine. I will place their website in my show notes. You can even download all their back issues for free. If they know a little bit about church history, most people on the street would say that the Protestant movement began with Martin Luther in 1517. But if you're a listener to this podcast, you would know that that is not entirely correct. How can we forget about John Huss or John Wycliffe and his followers, the Lollards? Well, today, I would like to introduce you to the Waldensians. These were a fascinating group of believers that have a very colorful and conflict-filled existence. Let's learn more about them in the next few episodes. In this episode, I will introduce you to their founder, Waldo of Lienz, France, by reading to you a short article entitled, A Prophet Without Honor. I will also begin reading a lengthier article entitled, An Ancient and Undying Light by Giorgio Bouchard. Both of these articles can be found in issue 22 of CHM. We know very little about the life of Waldo of Lienz, the man who started the Waldensian movement, other than his social class. He was a wealthy merchant, well integrated into the political community of Lienz in France, a man of influence, a man of the establishment. We know nothing of his life after he was cast out of the city, or of his last years, or of his death around the year 1217. Everything centers around a few years, perhaps only a few months. Yet, what we do know about Waldo is very significant in understanding the Waldensians and their beliefs and practices. Approximately in the years 1173 to 1176, Waldo made some decisions that radically changed his life. Number one, he commissioned the translation of several books of the Bible from Latin into his local dialect, French Provincial. French was not yet established as a language. 
This decision did not meet opposition. According to a document of the time, he even went to Rome with a friend to present this translation to the Pope and received words of appreciation and praise. Number two, he abandoned his business and distributed his goods, reducing himself to a beggar. This second decision is more unusual. The inspiration for this change is uncertain, but evidently some drastic experience or experiences caused Waldo to question the very foundation of his life. According to the different accounts, which are shrouded in legend, his decision may have been as a result of the death of a friend. There are also mentions of his having been deeply moved by the lyrics of a minstrel's song. Another element in this second decision was a message from the gospel. Jesus' words to the rich young man recorded in Mark 10.22. If you wish to be perfect, sell what you have and follow me. This statement seems to have resolved Waldo's personal crisis and to have pushed him to his decision. Deciding to follow literally this exhortation, Waldo freed himself of his goods with the conviction of following Jesus. This gospel message is fundamental in the experience of Waldo and his friends and must be elaborated. It should be immediately noted that the vow of poverty was not extraordinary in the 12th century as it might appear today. All those entering a convent took this vow and the examples of princes, nobles, and other important persons who adopted lives of denial are not uncommon. However, Almost always such a decision was made as a renunciation of the world in order to merit salvation. The vow of poverty is part of a professional religious life, yet Waldo remained a layman. Poverty for Waldo seems to have been a constructive element of Christian discipleship. When he was called by the Pope's representative to clarify his position and to sign a declaration of faith containing the fundamental principles of Christianity, he signed without hesitation, but added, quote, We have decided to live by the words of the gospel, essentially that of the Sermon of the Mount and the commandments, that is, to live in poverty without concern for tomorrow. But we hold that those who continue to live their lives in the world doing good will be saved. End quote. Number three, he determined to preach the gospel message in public. This decision is still more significant in defining the experience of Waldo. Actually, he did not limit himself to scriptural passages, which he had translated, but took high points from these and from his personal experience to appeal to and exhort his contemporaries to repentance and to the way of salvation. His preaching certainly was not that of the average preacher presented on Sunday to the congregation. A closer and more recent parallel would be the early Methodist preachers in the slums and countrysides of England and the United States. This preaching, which Waldo considered the direct consequence of his conversion and his call to follow Jesus, was the beginning of conflict and persecution for Waldo and his followers. Because of his activities, Waldo was expelled from the city of Lienz. It is told that in his last meeting before the Archbishop of Lien, the Archbishop severely threatened Waldo and warned him to stop his preaching, to which Waldo's response was, 
It is better to obey God than man. Of course, these are the words of the Apostle Peter, as recorded in Acts 4.19, and spoken to the high priest who wanted Peter's preaching to cease. And just as in the case with Peter, whose calling was to establish the Church of Jesus Christ on the foundation of God's Word, Waldo was intent on basing his apostolic community not on the usual human structures of his day, but purely on the gospel. Perhaps this is the episode from which the 14th century Waldensians took the idea of referring to Waldo as Peter Waldo. An Ancient and Undying Light by Giorgio Bouchard The late 12th century in Europe was a time rich in spiritual ferment and in its various expressions of religious experience. It is this distant, shifting period that an ancient group of evangelical Christians, the Waldensians, first appear in the regions of Lienz, France, and slightly later, Milan, Italy. In the earliest days, the members of this movement were simply called the poor. From their seemingly insignificant beginnings, with the odds against their survival as a distinct group, they did survive and their difficult journey of faith stands out in history. More than three centuries would pass before the Waldensians would build their own church buildings and view themselves as outside of the mother church. They would eventually melt into the Protestant Reformation. But until that time in the 16th century, the poor would live as scattered but closely knit movement within the Roman church, with a central devotion to Christ, the scriptures, and a life of poverty in conformity to the example of the apostles. In the context of their turbulent time, the emergence of the Waldensian movement was not exceptional. What is surprising is their survival for such a long period of time. Far from being welcomed by the church authorities, the Waldensians were harshly repressed. As opposed to the case for example, of the great monastic founder Francis of Assisi and his followers, whose ideas were quite similar in spirit and intention with those of the Waldensians. In light of this, the fact that during three centuries the movement of the poor was able not only to survive but to expand, always attracting new adherents and bringing its testimony into new areas. Merits are recognition and special consideration. Why the Waldensians? Where can we turn to find an explanation for this success? To the strength of the convictions of single believers? This does not seem to be the case. For in the same period, there were other believers just as fervent, of whom every trace has been lost, often canceled by repression. No, conviction of faith courage in the face of persecution, and force of spirit do not provide in themselves a satisfactory explanation for the survival of the Waldensians. We might turn instead, and recent historians have, to reasons of a social and economic nature. Perhaps since they were simple believers from the most humble classes on the fringe of society, the Waldensians did not constitute a threat to the establishment. They could, therefore, conduct their underground existence without any great risk. However, this interpretation of Waldensian phenomenon is contradicted by the evidence. 
the documentation shows that the Waldensians were present and active in all social classes, in the countryside and in the cities, among farmers and among merchants. Our answer to the mystery of Waldensian survival and growth is of a different nature. The movement of the poor was able to survive the Middle Ages because it never closed itself with a sectarian spirit, that is, it did not see itself as an exclusive group, spiritually superior to other Christians. Rather, it knew how to continuously renew itself spiritually and theologically. That was possible because, though their social structure and their way of life might change, from their time of origin, the Waldensians had a clear and original message to which they held firmly and to which they remained faithful. We could say that the Waldensian strength can be found exactly in certain terms we have used so far in referring to them. They were a movement, and a movement of the poor. Waldo of Lienz and the Waldensian Beginnings These essential Waldensian characteristics already appear clearly in the experience of the founder of the movement, Waldo of Lienz. This merchant who lived in the French city at the end of the 12th century did not intend to give life to a new community that would oppose the church. He did not intend to found a sect, nor to gather around himself a faithful group to carry his name and espouse his ideas. He did not present himself as a preacher with new ideas, new revelations, or particular interpretations to communicate, something which has occurred frequently in the history of the Christian church. He had but one purpose, to live the Christian faith according to the teachings of the gospel or to express it in terms closer to the spirituality of his time, to follow Jesus as the apostles did. He wanted to relive the experience of Jesus' first disciples, and in this sense we can apply to Waldo and his followers the curious and fascinating definition used at a later date by an inquisitor who was intent on persecuting the Waldensians. They were nudi nudum, Christum sequestum, naked disciples of a naked Christ. The unusual, and to us probably startling, use here of the adjective naked can be understood in two ways. With nothing on, that is, materially poor, and also without religious extras, in the sense of Christ only. For the Waldensians, Christ was to be followed in his poverty, and also as the only reference point for faith. Following Jesus, as the apostles did, involved certain things for Waldo and his followers. They emphasized the importance of hearing and understanding the Word of God, the Bible, and it was from the Scriptures that men and women would know Christ as the center of their faith. They lived in voluntary poverty and were persistent in their intent to preach in public. This last activity was the one that particularly offended the religious leaders of their time, and which brought the wrath of the Catholic Church down upon them. The Archbishop of Lienz attempted to stop Waldo from his public preaching. When he found that he could not, he expelled him from the city. Already a group of friends had gathered around Waldo who were devoted to following his example.
They did not call themselves brothers or disciples, as was commonly done in the monastic orders in those days, but referred to themselves as Waldo's co-members and to their group as a society. They took these terms from the business language of the time and not from the religious. It is as if they feared that other Christians would think that they were claiming to found a new religious association superior to the existing church. They wanted only to be a group of lay persons who were collaborating for a precise goal, in this case, to preach the gospel. This dedication to preaching provoked a strong reaction from the church, which led to a search for the poor of liens and to their excommunication as heretics. For the sake of time, I will cut the episode off at this point. I will finish the article in our next No Name Heroes of the Faith episode in a couple of weeks. I am still collecting questions for my upcoming Q&A, so email me any questions you might have to vidmore at yahoo.com. That's V-I-D-M-O-R at yahoo.com. If you're enjoying the Soul Anchor podcast and would like to automatically receive the podcast every time I upload an episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Soul Anchor Podcast is also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Soul Anchor Podcast Facebook page has the complete transcript of this episode. Like the page so that you can receive notifications when I post information about these episodes. I invite all my listeners to message me on Facebook or email me at vidmore at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you. I get very little feedback, and I would love to get some feedback, positive or negative. Getting back to the podcast, if you're enjoying the podcast, tell others about it and leave a five-star review, because that will allow the podcast to get more recognition in the community. Till we meet again. It's a soul anchor. Hold on to the hope it is a soul With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.